This podcast is brought to you by Sipla Foundation and Score Foundation. Hi, my name is George Abraham and welcome to Iway Conversations. My guest today is Melody Goodspeed from the United States. She is a professional with the American Foundation for the Blind. She is a mentor, a wife and a mother. Hi Melody, welcome. Hi George, it's so exciting to be here with you. Uh, I was just uh, reading about you uh, uh, Melody and I believe you lost your sight all of a sudden at the age of 26 what's the story there i was a teacher at the time and <clears throat> i taught children um with learning disabilities in the public school system and i started to experience headaches and i'll give you the fast version um the headaches became very severe and long story sh- short i had a undiagnosed uh, blood clot in my brain which caused pressure on my optic nerves and it ended up in total blindness for me. So losing my eyesight at the age of 26 in 2003 was um was very traumatic, very devastating and really left me in a in a really dark place. So uh, what helped you to turn life around? I was really sick George for like a year. Um so I had to move back in obviously with my family. I uh, was lived about an hour and 15 minutes away, my dad and my stepmom. and um my brother and sister live close by and um they really were super super incredibly supportive um really just taking care of me being so sick um and then dealing with the eyesight loss was just was really hard because we I didn't know what to do I I didn't know where to go I didn't know even how I would live I really truly thought at that time that I'd be spending the life like living with my parents again and and really just not knowing what to do. And the other person that really helped me in that space um at the time at the time was my boyfriend and we'd um only been dating I guess for about 3 months prior to that and he was also really supportive um and just stayed like really close and helpful and he would drive down on the weekends and was just a, a really good comforting spot for me. Um he's now my husband uh, which is why I bring him up we've been married now for 16 years you had wonderful support around you uh, but what was the little step that came in front of you that you took and moved back into life you know i i will be honest and tell you and your audience i just didn't want to live i didn't i thought this is if if i have to live in this life with with no sight this isn't something that i want to do and um that was really hard And one day I I remember distinctly this day I was laying in bed it was late at night and I just started crying and I thought I don't know how I'm going to do this I don't want to do this and I'm a pretty faithful person and I just started talking to God and I was like I just I don't want to do this I I I can't I I just can't I don't have this in me this is too hard and there just had this overwhelming sense of yes I can it was a little voice but it was just saying yes I can I didn't even know what that meant at the time and The next morning I woke up and and I went in to go talk to my mom and I just looked at her and I was like I would really like to go get my nails done and 
And she was so excited. She's like, oh my gosh, okay, let's go. And we went and we went and got our nails done and we went shopping and, and, uh, it was, and went out to lunch and it, and it was just nice to be out. And, and, and I really felt like, okay, I am going to take baby steps to this. And, and that particular weekend, I happened to be hanging out with my, like I said, my boyfriend at the time, and he was doing some, some searching and he found the American Foundation for the Blind. And I'm like, well, okay, what's that all about? And he's like, well, they have like a, oh, a connect service here. And so he's like, it looks like we, you can, you know, find people in the, the job that you do and connect with them. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I got connected to a teacher which is what I did. And he was a math teacher, but totally blind. And we had this great discussion. And I got to tell you, George, listening to him talk about how happy he was and how he was doing his classroom and how he was living this life, it just really made me, gave me that, that glimmer of hope that I really needed just listening to this person talk. And then from there, I was introduced to other people that were blind um, there was even an individual in the small town where my where my parents were living at the time where I was living who was also uh, blind and, and and meeting up with him was so incredible for me um, just to be able to see like, okay, these people are functioning and they seem happy. They genuinely seem happy. And so I just really talked to them a lot and really started to network, figuring out, okay, what can I do? How do you do this? What should I do? And then from there, it led me to receiving uh, rehabilitation services, which George, I got to tell you at the time was still really scary for me. Like this whole thing is still really scary, right? Because it's new. But I have the support of my friends and my family that meant so much to me. And I was able to, to move, take baby steps. If you know of anyone with vision impairment who needs guidance on living life with blindness, please share the IWA National Toll Free Helpline number 1-800-5320-469. The number is 1-800-5320-469. What were the kind of important skills that you learned at rehab, which you think kind of gave you that confidence to move on? Really, honestly, George, the, the hardest thing for me was was embracing that white cane, right? It's just, to me, it was, you know, I, I it draws attention um, or even I'm a very outgoing individual, right? I, I love seeing smiles on people's faces and and uh, connecting with people and that just wasn't happening anymore when I was out like people would avoid me and I would say good morning and they wouldn't respond back and it just made me feel so deflated and so I think for me getting to that place of, of seeking those services and being on campus with other individuals that were blind and were going through the same thing whether you know it was progressive because there's so many different ranges of of eyesight loss, right? I'm total, but some people can see a little and that sort of gets confusing sometimes. And, and so being around other people and, and really trying to embrace that white cane, um, and, and getting out and realizing that, that the cane wasn't, um, something that set me apart, but it got me to where I needed to go. Um, 
I remember the first time walking back from my uh, classes back to my dorm thinking the very first time that I did it successfully, just thinking this thing is really powerful. Like it's, it's, it's not a symbol of weakness. It's just the power of strength and overcoming and, and courage. Um, you know, and from there I moved into a guide dog cause I walk fast. And so it's, I have, and she's actually sitting right here at my feet right now, snoring right now because <laughs> it's 10 o'clock at night here in, in uh, the East coast of um, the United States. But it, that for me uh, was just a, a different world and being able to, to really get out and realize that I was a functioning member of society and that I did belong and that I had gifts to offer and that I also had much to learn. So I would say that and then coupled with the technology and Braille and, and learning that there are, you know, things that, that, you know, the technology is here. It's, it's, there is nothing that we have to recreate. It's already here. We're, we're doing it. And, and it's seeing even that from, you know, 2003 to now in 2022, how much all of that has changed and really how we are embracing uh, people with different abilities. I don't even consider a disability. It's just people with different abilities. How did you yes. plan your return to professional life? A really dear friend of mine, her father was my uh, technology teacher at rehab. And she and I become very good friends. Her name is Lisa. And she was telling me, look, I know it's hard when you get back home. You're going to get sad because you're so busy now. And now it's going to be like, what do I do? And she's like, just grab the phone book, which was great at the time, the phone book, right? And um, go contact nonprofits and just start calling them to do volunteering. And I'm like, okay. So I did. I just, I, she's successful. She had with a really good job in marketing. She was out all the time. She, you know, just so successful. She became a mentor to me. And that's why I'm so passionate about mentoring now because it's really my mentors that I picked up along the way that kept me going. And I with, just with Lisa, she told me to do that. So I did, I contacted a bunch of different nonprofits and I, I got my uh, two day a week, four hours a day at, for two days a week, rewinding tapes for um, a library, like that. So books to audio books for um, people that are blind and vision impaired. I would go two days a week and I would rewind tapes and, but I felt like it was a good thing. It helped me to get out. It helped me to get integrated back into society. I then noticed that their technology lab that they had was really needed some help. So I helped there in, in booting up their computer. I even offered to teach like some adaptive techniques, technology to techniques if anyone needed it and then helping them with a kind of a curriculum too. So it was just a good uh, thing to get me going. And then I decided, you know, meeting with my vocational rehabilitation specialist about, you know, what does my job search look like, right? I, I couldn't really go back to the type of teaching that I wanted, that I was doing. And I, uh, I decided that I would, you know, move into something different. So I, I went back to school I and I worked really hard. I went back to school for getting my certification in government contracting because I live in the DC area and the government contracting is so huge there, right? And government jobs. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go after a government job. And I, I really took to contracts management. I thought that was something that I could do and, and enjoy. And I, I, I did. And I started really, you know, going for classes and getting my certification in that. And um, I was really actually very um, 
proud of how I was advocating. I didn't realize it at the time, George, but I was really advocating with teachers. Just, you know, I, I don't, I can't see a piece of paper. Could I get that electronically? Um, really learned how to advocate for myself, which is so important with people that, that you really have to learn to speak up for yourself. And I really had learned to do that with my mentors and also with moving into the world as a person who is blind. And people most part are not mean. They just don't know. And you have to educate them and you have to be open to that. And and once you do, it really does open up their eyes and it opens up your eyes um, to seeing the possibilities of what you can do together. So I, I started doing that and, and I, um, again, networking and I ended up coming across someone who told me about a job where it was with a, a, a contract for the Social Security Administration and I went and I submitted my resume and a bunch of resumes actually, but I did land an interview with this place and ended up getting my, my first job um, working as a government contractor and going to school. And I got to travel the United States talking about um, the different programs that were available to people with disabilities. And I got to tell you, George, it was really a great experience for me because I got to travel. Like I said, I, I went to at least nine different states within the, the U.S. And I was traveling on my own independently. And, you know, I, I look back at that girl who first lost her eyesight back with her dad. And the day that I was so scared that my dad's like, you know, you have to go to your doctor's appointment. And I was too terrified to even get out of bed. And he had to pick me up and carry me to the car because I was sobbing and I was so petrified with fear. And he placed me in the car. And I think about that girl you know, me, that 26-year-old terrified girl was now jet-setting across these states, you know, and it was, I was scared, but I pushed myself. I became very comfortable with being uncomfortable. So the key for you was volunteering, advocacy, and networking, which yes. got you back into the world. From the government uh, contracting job, you moved into the National Industry for the Blind, Yes. Uh, now, what does this organization or entity do and what were you doing there with them? I, I, at the time when I went to National Industries for the Blind, I was moved into the, the public policy department, but I was external affairs. So it was really working with the other blindness organizations um, and also running our advocates program. And I really enjoyed that. Meeting these people that would come in, um, and, and really find out like what's going on in the blind community. It was actually, George, my first time really being submerged in the blind community. I had had mentors at that time, but really embracing and knowing like how like, there are over 32.5 million people in the United States alone that are blind or vision impaired. I mean, that's a huge number. That's just in these states. And in my little pocket of the world, I'm meeting all these incredibly successful and passionate individuals living their lives to the fullest. And, and it was really just something I needed, right? So it just, it really was great, you know, being a blind mom and meeting other blind moms. And then also like with these other organizations, I know you asked me about NIB, but I wanted to plug that part. Um, but we really worked with the advocates program and, and bringing people in from all over the United States with the different agencies that NIB supports 
um, being able to meet these people and train them on and being advocates and going to the Hill and talking about their ish, you know, policies and um, what they're facing in their communities as blind individuals and really bringing systems change. Now, AFB, the American Foundation for the Blind, tell me a little bit about what does this foundation do? Because uh, uh, in India, I would be interested in knowing uh, what are the kind of services uh, and what are the kind of facilities they offer and uh, uh, what is the role that they play in the lives of uh, blind people in the U.S.? Sure. So, what I, in my role particularly, I'm in the development office, so I'm in fundraising, and I have such a unique role and exciting, I think I have one of the best jobs um, at AFB, and that is I get to really speak about all of our programs. So we just kicked off after, so let's talk about COVID. We've all been through that, right? And AFB, our mission statement is creating a life of no limits for people that are blind and vision impaired. And we really took that to heart um, when it came to COVID. Um, since I've been there, it's, it's really just educating and we want systems change. And what I mean by systems change is just making sure that we have level playing ground for everybody. That is our goal to make, to reduce barriers, to break down barriers, to get our partners, our policymakers, um, everybody that we can partner with to realize that people with visual impairments or blindness are creative thinkers and have so many unique gifts to offer to make real positive change in this world. And when you have someone who's doing something different, you know, like George, how you and I would, you know, look at a computer is going to be totally different. You're going to be able to see the computer screen. I'm not, but I'm going to be using a screen reader. But with that, there are things I'm going to notice that maybe you won't. And there are different ways that I'm going to look or approach something, but at the end of the task, we're going to get to it the same way. And so that's kind of like what we do at AFB is making you showing like, hey, you know, we're blind, but we're doing things in a different way. But that doesn't make us any less. It actually makes us more creative because we're constantly looking at things differently and we're constantly you know, removing our own barriers and constantly like thinking like, okay, I'm constantly thinking like, who would want an employee that's constantly thinking, okay, well, that's a barrier, but let me turn that into an opportunity or look at this differently. And it fosters creative thinking. So really what we do is we take those opportunities. We just started new workforce development programs. We really take our research team, which I love them so much. They, we take concrete research that we do in-house that's different. We, we like to sample different things. Like we just did a, a like a, what the data we took from COVID, how seeing blind children were being serviced and how like bringing that to policymakers and realizing the difference of, of how technology is viewed and, and being able to bring that change. So we want to be able to label that play, playing ground and really moving forward for people in the United States and working with our partners and those people that are on the ground providing those direct services, the support that they need to be able to make the change. And with that, we also just had our leadership conference this past May where we brought together people in the policy world, people in the blindness community, our partners such as big, you know, Google, Apple, all of those great organizations that we have 
on our board and a lot of other organizations that are just saying, hey, you know, we're not there yet, but we want to know how we would support someone who's blind to bring them in and do these jobs. So that's what we do is we really educate and we focus on our three key areas, which is employment. We focus on education. We also focus on our aging population. And when we say aging population, I really want to spell this one out a little bit. It doesn't just mean like people, you know, we obviously want to talk about like people who are retiring, right? Where we're living longer. Do you know that one in four individuals as they get older is going to have some sort of eye condition? And when you think you're living longer, which means you're going to be working longer, we also have like, we want to be able to retire in a place where you can say to your employer, hey, I'm losing my eyesight. But a lot of people hide that. They don't want them to know. So what happens? looks like their work starts to slip because they don't want to let them know that they may be just diagnosed with glaucoma. I've seen this. I see it all. And we want to be able to create an environment where it, you can go to your employer and say, listen, I'm having this eyesight condition and it's okay. Well, let's maybe find how can we support you? What can we do? And that's the system change we want to make is to be able to make sure that we're all on a level playing field and that we're all able to bring our unique selves to work and to our communities. And that's the support that we provide. Uh, by the way, uh, Melody, I must tell you that uh, uh, I look at the computer screen exactly the way you look. I've been blind since the age of 10 months. So. Oh! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> To support our work with the blind and visually impaired, you can visit the donate page on our website www.scorefoundation.org.in. Please note www.scorefoundation.org.in. I just wanted to know. Um... Uh, you know, you mentioned that uh, you, uh, the boyfriend you had uh, when you were uh, teaching uh, your, is now your husband of 16 odd years. And uh, you also have a little family where you have a 12 year old son and a five year old daughter. Yes. So I'd like to tell us uh, what it is uh, to be a blind woman who's a wife and a blind woman who's a mother. What are the pleasures and the pains? I, I, I don't know what it's like to be anything but a blind mother, right? And that's kind of trippy and, 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 and it's silly all the time. I mean, I'm not going to tell your audience or, or you and say that it's easy because it's not. Um, transportation is, is a thing. I mean, I, I you know, wish that I look at moms who can, you know, I, I had the dream of wanting to be that soccer mom that was, you know, driving their kids everywhere and, you know, getting in that van and doing all that stuff. But it's just, you know, my reality is that isn't it. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's being there with my kids in other ways. And I, I, I can definitely say that that I think has made us a closer family um, in the sense that, you know, I'm very close with my, with my children. And I, you know, of course, you know, my daughter is so incredibly, our daughter is so incredibly busy. Um, and I mean, she's, she just is nonstop or she's a little firecracker. And, um, and, and, you know, and, you know, I had fears, George, like, oh my gosh, you know, when they get older, they get embarrassed to have a mom that can't see. I'm different. I stand out and all that stuff. And, and I realized that, you know, I was actually talking to my son 
you know, I was like, when did you, we were talking about him and when did you realize that I couldn't see it? He's like, I don't know, probably around six. And uh, I was like, you know, asking questions like, mom, what's up with all the questions? I'm like, I just was curious. And he's like, mom, I wouldn't trade you anything for anybody else. Like, you're just a normal mom. He's like, actually, no, you're not a normal mom. You are a fun mom and you care about me and you, you always think about other things to do. So it's, it's funny how we view ourselves sometimes is not how other people view us, right? It's, that's that tall tale thing there. And it was a very humbling thing for me to hear, uh, seeing the, myself through the eyes of my children. Um, we have our good times. We have our bad times. Sometimes I just want to sit on the floor and cry. And sometimes I'm really celebratory, um, you know, changing diapers and babies and all that stuff <laughs> was really difficult. Um, but, you know, I also realized that when I was learning and hanging out with women in my neighborhood that were new moms, they were experiencing a lot of the same things. And I think that that's important And to say. And then being a wife is um, is definitely, you know, we we do our very best and we my husband is not blind he's totally sighted and you know he's the the driver and and sometimes though I say you know what let me take you out when we get an uber you know I I um I think that's really important uh is to not feel like you are uh you know like not to put your marriage into a caregiving type of situation but, but being equals. And I think that's so incredibly important. And um, I have to say that we both really support each other in both of our fields. Um, but we also work very well together as a family. And I think and we have our problems just like anybody else does. Don't get me wrong. But um, I think it's, it's for me, it, it's what, you know, obviously growing up, um, you know, my, my parents divorced when I was seven. So I, and then remarried and so I got my brother and sister um and my stepmom and I we all were in the house together so I remember you know those memories of growing up with those two was just very strong for me and I want that same for my kids you know is to have that that strong relationship and and getting to the core of what is really important and what is really important at the end of the day is support and love right Melody you are an extremely busy woman meaning you've got your time cut out with the American Foundation you have your family and so on and so forth. So what does uh, Melody Goodspeed do when she is free? What is What are your hobbies? What are your interests? Oh, fun. Oh, this is so fun. So here's the thing, George. I'm a very adventurous person. I love everything. I love to go to amusement parks with my kids. You know, we have great, we have um, bush gardens lit near our house here. And we go there. I love to go to the pool. I love to bike, like tandem biking, which I'm itching to do really bad. Um, again, trying to find a place here. Um, I've actually, I love being outdoors. It's so, it's like a big thing for me. I love being outside. I love going to movies. I love shopping. Like I absolutely love fashion. I know people are like, oh my goodness. But if you were to see my closet, George, it's pretty embarrassing. I'm a fashionista. I love clothes shopping. I love shoes. I love makeup. I love getting my hair done. I love, I'm a very girly girl. Um, I love life. I just love it. I, I think that being with your friends and your family, I love going trying different foods. I love trying different things. Um, I really am planning, I would love to plan a trip in September with some girlfriends of mine and go to like the adventure thing, go zip lining. I've done 
tandem hang gliding. Uh, I love roller coasters. Like I just am all over the place. I think that, that I love going to museums. I love, love, love just being anything that's adventurous. There's so much in the world that's so beautiful and experiencing those things with your friends and loved ones is so important. And one of the big things I've been getting into lately is with Bold Blind Beauty. I'm actually the um, the fashion icon, um, Abby. I'm the voice of Abby if you ever visit Bold Blind Beauty. And our tagline, um, um, Stephanie McCoy is the founder and CEO. She's amazing. You need to have her on your podcast. Um, and right now is is our symbol is air. It's access, inclusion, and representation. And really, you know, advocating for that. I love being a mentor to, to people. I love church. I love being active in my church community. Um, the list is is endless. I, I I really do feel like there's so much life that there is to be seen and done, and it's an adventure to me, and I love every second of it. Yes, uh, life can be wonderful, enjoyable, and beautiful. It's just the way you look at it and the way you approach it. And yes. uh, it's wonderful speaking with you, Melody. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm sure our listeners would have been inspired. Thank you so much for giving me the time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome, George. This podcast was brought to you by Sipla Foundation and Score Foundation. Shanika Karba